Son of Porthos. The coach from Nantes is nearing its destination. The next halt will be the capital itself, the adventurous and exciting Paris of 1678. The long, hot summer day is drawing to a close. The sun slants obliquely down on the swaying coach, jolting along over the rough brown road. It has been a long journey and not uneventful. The horses are tired, and at the foot of every hill... and muttering the passengers descend to trudge wearily uphill beside the coach. But two of them do not grumble. For them, this is a heaven-sent chance to walk quietly together, to talk without being overheard. Joel and the lovely Aurore de Tremblay walk together like old friends. Have your head still pain you, monsieur? Truly, truly, it was nothing. Not but a graze. You should not worry over it. It is nothing. I was the cause of it, however unwitting. It would have been a joy to shed all my life's blood on your behalf, Monsieur. Oh, a speech worthy of a courtier, Monsieur, but uttered with true country sincerity. But may I not know to whom it is I must be ever grateful for saving me this day? I know your name is Joel, for that you've told me. But have you no other? Alas, I do not know. You do not know? Oh, you do not wish to say. I ask your pardon, then, for crying. It was only that I was... Oh, mademoiselle, you do not understand. If I had a name, most gladly would I give it you. But I speak the truth when I say I do not know. It is because of this I go to Paris. Monsieur Joel, if you do not wish to speak of these things to a stranger, believe me, I do not ask. Oh, you are no stranger, mademoiselle. For somehow I feel I have known you and will know you a long while. I should be glad to tell you my story. Then I should be glad to listen. I come from Loch Maria near La Belle Ile en Mer, where there was a great siege many years ago when Fouquet was the High Lord Treasurer of, of France. I have heard of it. My father was a musketeer known to his friends and to my mother simply as Porthos. Porthos? A strange name. He had three close friends, Aramis, Athos and D'Artagnan. Aramis, Athos? Oh, no doubt these were but cloaks to their real identities. Indeed, that is what I wish to discover, their real identities. For until I know that, I do not know my name. My father, Porthos, disappeared before I was born. My mother believed him killed. She did not know? Never for certain. Proof came but recently. In what manner, A very strange manner, indeed. You must know that I was involved in a quarrel during which I was taunted with my lack of a name. I should have thought you were not of a size to take such taunts quietly. Indeed, but when the accusation is so true, what was I to reply? They said without a name I had no right to bear a sword. And yet you carry the biggest sword I have ever seen. I did not then. I was so angry at these words, so humiliated by my own impotence, I ran away. I hid myself on the beach at Loch Maria, the very beach where they say this great fight I have mentioned took place. 
There is a great pile of rocks there, by local legend called the Giant's Tomb. Some great fighter is purported to be buried there. What did you do there? I called upon the name of my father, Porthos, the only name I knew. I begged him to come to my aid, and then I saw a vision. A vision? Oh, monsieur, such things do not happen. And yet I swear it happened to me. It was a vision of my father, an immense man in musketeer's tunic, a great sword in his hand. I rushed toward him, calling, begging him to stay. And then he was gone. You were dreaming, monsieur. No, for see what I found. On the very spot where he had stood this sword, so big that surely only he and I can manage it. Strange indeed. My mother swears it is my father's very sword. You see the inscription clearly marked, though worn with years. One for all, all for one. My mother, rest her soul, took this proof. Her dear Porthos was indeed dead. And she herself died then, for she had no will to live. Poor soul. And you? I go to Paris. With but slender clues, admittedly, but with youth and determination on my side. I go to find myself a name, to find the title hid behind the cloak of Porthos, to prove I am a gentleman by birth, with every right to carry this great sword which fate and my father have yielded up to me. dark. But see, there are the twin towers of Notre Dame. Paris. What is the matter, Monsieur Joël? Does the enormity of your search appall you now it comes so close? Indeed. No, it is just... just that now we must part. But surely not forever. It is only mountains never meet. Then I may see you again? Of course. I go to stay with an elderly and distant relative in the Rue des Tournelles, in the neighborhood of the Palais Royal. Every evening for Vespers, Monsieur Joël, I shall go to the Church of St. Paul. A church is a public place, Monsieur. Anyone may enter there. As Joelle and Mademoiselle Aurore reluctantly part company at the terminus of the Nantes coach, two women pause before a small dark house in the Rue de Boulevard. They wear the pointed muslin caps of the middle classes, but there is an unmistakable arrogance in their knock. The door is quickly opened by a silent Negro in Oriental costume, and the two sweep in with a courtly dignity. Truly, madame, I do not like this place. I am afraid. Oh, come, Francoise. What talk is this? You normally so tranquil. What has become of your usual common sense? I, I do not know, madame. Indeed, I don't. I feel a, a strangeness here. As if great things were brewing in fate's cauldron. Indeed, I hope you are right. Why otherwise should I, Marchioness de Montespan, undisputed favorite of King Louis XIV of France, why should I wait upon a fortune teller? 
such as if Therese Lesage we now visit. They say she is the daughter of La Vossin. And what of it? La Vossin was burned to death. Someone is coming. How do you do, ladies? For despite your humble garb, I ah, ladies. In you I hail birth, beauty, and rank. I hail fortune, which is going to offer its most amazing boon to one of you in making her a queen. A queen? You hear that, Francois? Am I to be a queen, then? It is you who wishes to be first to question fate. I am the first. Then come with me. You will wait here, Francois. You will be quite safe, I assure you. And it will be your turn next. Come. I come, mademoiselle. My lady marchioness, do me the honor to take a seat. Now, will you deign to show your hand? Yes. It is noble and severe. So graceful in shape and pretty. It is larger than usual, which denotes a decisive mind, capable of bold deeds. This hand is fit to wield a scepter. Ah, so. You were born in 1641. You are 37 years old. These things I know. What I want you to divine is, shall I be queen of France? You are even now what you wish. But there is yet an obstacle. It will be removed. You mean Queen Teresa? Her days are numbered, and death awaits her. I was certain. You see this card, the seven of clubs. So many years are left her, and there are points on this card. The cards, madame, never lie. Enough, then. You need read no farther. If your prediction comes to pass, your fortune is made. This is first for your trouble. If only the throne be empty, rely on my taking it and holding it. Lady, lady... You have not yet attained your mark. See how the wand moves. The wand? My rod here on the table, quite involuntarily, it bent at your brave words. I did not notice it. What does it signify? An obstacle in your path. <laughs> Another. I shall overcome it. Does the fiery charioteer perceive the butt in which his steed hurls all to ruin? See, the wand continues to vibrate. Lady, lady, have a care. Why should I care? Mistrust everybody. Harm comes from a woman whom you will have befriended. You were a disgrace from one even now entering your orbit. Thanks for the warning, good witch. I shall remember it. But who will dare in the court of France to dispute with me the inheritance of that wretched Pontal? And I will send my friend to you. Tell her some pretty harmless tale, for she is a gentle soul and terrified as always as paraphernalia. Come, Francois. Come. Now it is your turn. I shall wait outside for you. I am ready to. Farewell, mademoiselle. And many thanks. You have told me all I wanted to know. Let us hope for your sake and mine. It may be true. You see this, madame? I am coming. Here is my hand. What do you read in it? I do not need it to raise a corner of the veil over your future. It is sufficient for me to look upon your face. You have seen sickness, poverty, humiliation, suffering. Fate ruled that you should be widowed young, left penniless, thrown upon the mercies of distant relatives. I should have starved us the marchioness. You may marry again. Oh, alas, who would want me now? I am no longer a girl. I have no money. Yes, I tell you, your fortune will astound the world in history. The girl will not be reached by the proud woman who has just left me, but by you. 
I tell you that your troubles are well nigh ended. You'll be guided out of your room by a ray from the crown of France. A great monarch will love you. You, not that an heiress, will be queen of France. (laughs) 